actually at work they had started a pool of where i was going to die <laughs> you know like they were betting on like how far i would make it before dying <laughs> The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, episode 396. In 1977, Argentina sent a pregnant mother to Antarctica in an effort to claim a portion of the continent, and the boy became the first human known to be born in Antarctica. Spoiler alert, the claim to Antarctica, uh, that didn't really work. I know people always say, never say never, but I think it's pretty safe to say that I will probably not recreate the route that today's guest took and bicycle all the way from Canada to Argentina. Yeah, because I'll probably just start in Philadelphia, right? Either way, I doubt that I'm going to take that long of a bike ride ever in my life, even though I love biking. But what I do know that no matter what traveling I'm going to take, whether it is a crazy bike ride, whether it's something more quote unquote normal, like getting on a plane or taking a road trip, that the backpack I'm going to be bringing with me is my Tortuga backpacks. I've loved them for the last six years. Any type of mode of transportation I've been on, my trusty Tortuga backpacks have been with me. So if you are looking for the best travel carry-on backpack out there, they now have a range of options, including a woman's backpack, specifically for females. You can check that out over at tortugabackpacks.com slash epop. Remember, in order to get 10% off, you have to go to this link, tortugabackpacks.com slash epop. That's tortugabackpacks.com slash epop when you check out that will automatically put a coupon code in for you and you will get 10% off anything you order there. Travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today is someone who solo bicycled all the way from Canada down to Patagonia, Xavier Himma from followthehumoftheearth.com and Hum of the Earth on YouTube. Xavier, thanks for joining me and a huge welcome. It's my pleasure. Thanks, Travis. So, I'm pumped to have you on here because we've had people do crazy stuff. We've had a bunch of guests who are out there, adventurers and and doing all this, but that is like 0.01% of people in this world who actually have a crazy idea in their head and then iterate on it and actually take that trip that they've been thinking about doing or that idea that they've had in their head. You're one of those people who are actually doing it. So let's talk through that a little bit. How did you go from this idea, I'm going to cycle from my home in Canada all the way down to Patagonia? And then what kind of pushed you to be the person who actually went and did it? Okay. Um, so it didn't always start with uh, the idea of bicycling from from Canada to Patagonia. It kind of morphed and kind of grew into the the beast that it eventually became uh the the spark started when my uh, one of my friends went backpacking in southeast asia and it just sounded so neat he had quit his job and he had saved been saving money and he was just gonna uh go kind of rough it and and try to uh last and have as much fun as he could with the money that he had and it sounded like such a good idea um but the only kind of qualm i had about it was that because uh, I was trying to envision myself doing it, was that all these countries had difficult Asian, you know, languages to learn. So I wouldn't be able to really interact and, and immerse myself in the culture quite as much. Uh, so I just started looking around the map. And then when I saw the Americas, uh, <laughs> which we're already in, so that's a bonus, um, you know, over 80% of the countries all speak Spanish. Uh, and I already speak French. Uh, so that's not too much of a, a difficult ask to to learn one extra language that's already similar to French. 
Um, so I just figured, man, that would be the, the perfect trip. And the more I researched about uh, the countries and just the geography, the people, the food, uh, et cetera, it just seemed so appealing. So I slowly started to plan it. Um, but I was thinking of doing it with my car. But then maybe uh, a few weeks before uh, doing it, uh, I just came across bicycle touring on- online and I was like, it just the second I saw it, it just spoke to me right away. And I knew this is what I wanted to do. Uh, I didn't I'd never done it before. <laughs> I never no practice runs. <laughs> so I sold my car and bought everything as soon as I could. And, and I just went for it. And, you know, and, and as far as you were talking about, you know, people, uh, you know, they have these ideas, but, you know, they don't really follow through. Uh, my reasoning was that um, at the time I was 25, uh, you know, I didn't have a house. Uh, I don't have, um, you know, a wife or, or kids or, or anything like really important commitments. And I mean, I figured, you know, the the further I go in life, the, the harder this is going to be to do something like this. And I've also always had the philosophy that, um, you know, life is is short. You should enjoy it as much as you can. And I find a, a lot of people uh, don't necessarily do that. They kind of follow the path that is the, you know, the quote unquote smart thing to do. And um, yeah, no, it just, it all, it all made sense. And, and I went for it and I have absolutely no regrets. So you were going to do it in your car. This is crazy. So you think, all right, big goal, big mission, but I'm going to do it in my car. So most people would be like, yeah, you're crazy. You're gonna you're doing this in your car. Like this is a long way to go. Why don't you just road trip through Canada, go down to the U.S. Like you don't got to keep going all the way. And then you say three a couple weeks before you're gonna go. All of a sudden you're like, oh well that 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 seemed cool until I found out about this idea of bike touring. Let me just add an element. I mean, not even like make it twice as hard. We're talking about infinitely harder, longer, bigger scarier, you know, add any adjective in there. And you thought, whatever, I'm just going to do it. Oh, okay. I I like the thinking. That that's pretty crazy. That's crazier than I even originally thought. How long was it percolating in your brain to do the trip itself? Like from when you first started, yeah, I looked at America. Oh, cool. That'd be neat to like pop on down in my car to when you actually then left. How long was that time frame? Um, it was probably like a few months, uh, first stages was just kind of deciding where I wanted to do it. That came pretty quick. Uh, then I was just kind of like really kind of just daydreaming, looking at YouTube videos of different countries, like, oh, that looks cool. I I definitely want to go here. I definitely want to go there. Uh, and then as it started getting closer and closer, um, then I started looking into, uh, you know, the technical, uh, details of bringing a, a car across in different countries, and it kind of seemed like a lot of paperwork. Uh, I was learning that gas is actually more expensive when you get south of the U.S. and stuff like that, which uh, I would have not thought. And I was doing the math on all the gas and stuff like that. And then when I found out about the bicycle, uh, like I said, I just clicked. And after that, there was a lot of, uh, of research and buying stuff. And I actually ended up leaving quite a bit later uh, than I wanted. I had given my um, uh, told my job that I, I, I initially I wanted to do it in like September or sometime, and I ended up leaving the second week of October. Um, so I was uh, starting at like fall, and then and I was in the north of the U.S., so I had to kind of go fairly quickly to uh, not get caught up in the winter. Yeah, well, especially now on a bicycle, you have to go even quicker because the winter elements are going to affect you more and it's obviously slower going. So that idea clicks in your head of, I'm going to do a bike tour. I'm not going to do a car, but I mean, was there, there had to be some sort of fear or, or, or maybe hesitation to say, all right, sounds cool, but I've done all this research for a car. Plus a car gives me a bit of a lifeline. Now I'm going to be on a bike and I've never even ridden a bike, you know, for any extended <laughs> amount of time at all. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I understand, you know, the way people see it. And when I talk to people, I think there's a, a big difference in the way they see it and the way see, the, the, I see it. They're like, it's oh, you're so brave. <laughs> this is crazy. 
And I don't know, I really don't see it that way. I just see it like that's that's going to be awesome. Like I like bicycling, um, you know, on the bicycle, uh, things go a lot slower. So you see a lot more, uh, you smell, you hear things that you wouldn't see on a car when you're driving and you have to keep your eyes on the road and more flexibility in terms of, of wild camping and stuff like that. Like you can go deep in the woods somewhere with the car. If there was no road, you would not be able to, to go there. So um, there's just a lot of advantages. Also, when I, I bicycle and I do a lot of exercise, I feel really good. So I knew that that aspect of it uh, would, would also be interesting. Just my mood would be uh, at a good place. I love it. You see opportunities where others see obstacles and yeah. say, oh, here are all the great things. about." It. But one of the things that you had to plan for was the fact that this was going to be a much longer trip then. What were you originally planning for the length of time? And how then did you figure, like, what were the steps that you had to go through then with the bike? Because it's going to be, what, three, four, five, six times longer than it normally would have been. So um, I'm the type of person who doesn't like to uh, overplan or even plan the sufficient amount that normal people would. Uh, I just feel that it kind of takes away from the the adventure. Um, A good example would be when I first started, so I, I... uh, barely gotten into the U.S. because I think at the border they had never seen someone bicycle touring, so they weren't believing me at all. <laughs> but after hours and of uh, you know convincing them, they eventually let me in. Uh, and then my first days, I think I was doing like 30 kilometers, and I thought that that was a lot because again, it's my first time bicycle touring. And then <laughs> and my butt is sore and everything because uh, it's a new bike that I bought. And uh, I'm looking at my phone in my tent at night, and then I'm doing, I, I put from my uh, location uh, to Mexico for January, and I realized that I'm not even like doing, I'm doing like a third of what I should be doing every day. <laughs> and I had like this moment of anxiety, like, oh God, I, I've, not, I've not planned, like this is all wrong. <laughs> like I'm going to be covered in snow, I'm going to have to take the bus, it's going to be a big fail. Uh, but I just kind of tweaked my mentality and every day I just started doing a little bit more, a little bit more. And then eventually, you know, I was doing like around a hundred kilometers in like, you know, maybe a few months or a month and a half. And then, uh, you know, I just started enjoying being on the bicycle because a big aspect of it is mental. It's just being able to, to ride for that long, you know, not only physical, uh, but I just started liking it more and more and it, I don't know, just, it worked out. So it seems to me you didn't plan out a route much at all then. If you don't like planning, you were just your your idea was let me get south. Were were there certain <laughs> points you wanted to hit or yeah. did you just hop on a road and say, All right, well I know this is going south, let me see what's along the way as I go? Um, so I had done like a little bit of research actually at that point. I think um a good part of it was actually listening to your your podcast, like your destination diaries, and I saw there was some of the cities uh, on the way that I wanted to see. Um, I knew the Adirondacks were right there, and it was going to be the fall. That was going to be beautiful. Uh, the Blue Ridge Parkway after that, also beautiful, obviously, in the fall. Um, and then there was Atlanta, Asheville. No, sorry, Asheville, Atlanta, Birmingham, through Alabama, south, uh, then going along the um, Gulf of Mexico. Uh, then going to um, New Orleans, uh, and then yeah, there's a few other cities along the way. But it was kind of a mix of a, a beeline and a few things that I wanted to see along the way, and that's pretty much how I've been doing it. Uh, just kind of you know talking to people, maybe doing a little bit of research, kind of main things that I want to hit, and then in between just remains a, a mystery, you know. Okay, so did you? usually use highways were you trying to take back roads because obviously benefits of highway sure quicker probably good pavement stuff like that the downsides not seeing as much and you've got cars going 85 miles an hour around you yeah yeah well um in the u.s uh google maps had cycling directions which which were actually pretty good at putting you on roads that uh, have less traffic uh, and that maybe are a little bit longer, but not that much. Um, and I was using that quite a bit. Um, but then, uh, when I got to Guatemala, there was no more cycling directions and anything that's really past Mexico anyways, like if you're not on the highway, it's probably not going to be a paved road (laughs) a lot of the time. And I had kind of a road bicycle, so I was mostly sticking to highways. 
Uh, at first in the U.S., it was a little kind of scary when you would have cars coming close. And you didn't have uh, um, much space in between you and the car. Uh, but the more I went, I just got comfortable and drivers 99.9% .9 of the time were really courteous, not getting too close, uh, usually even slowing down a little bit. So I got really comfortable and yeah, it wasn't, wasn't an issue. So when you decided to take off on this, were you like, what was the feedback from your friends, family, folks in your regular life? Did they think it was a crazy idea or were they just like, yeah, this is just Xavier being Xavier. Like, here he goes again. <laughs> I think, like you said, people thought it was kind of crazy when I talked about doing it with the car. <laughs> right. And well, then that. with the bicycle, they were like, okay, well, you're definitely going to die. <laughs> Actually, at work, they had started a pool of where I was going to die. <laughs> you know, like they were betting on like how far I would make it before dying. <laughs> So that kind of speaks to, you know, the mentality that Canadians and I'm sure Americans have about like places like Mexico and stuff like that, just about what you see on the news uh, and stuff like that. Um, my parents were initially, I was really surprised, were really supportive of the idea because they had gone on a bicycle tour in university when they, uh, where they went to like around Europe uh, one summer. Uh, and they were super supportive, but I could kind of tell like they didn't fully think that I was going to go like do do what I, I was saying. So my mom was saying, OK, yes, yeah, so you're going to go in the U.S. and then maybe come back. Right. I was like, no, that's not really the plan. <laughs> She's like, OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then when I started getting close to the border of the U of Mexico and it was around Christmas time, they're like, hey, you know, we'll, we'll pay for your flight back for, for Christmas. You know, like you're, you're not really going to go to Mexico, are you? <laughs> They're like, no, yeah, I'm, I'm still doing this. They're like, what? Okay, well, th then they started, you know, getting scared, doing a bunch of research, which I had already done. And they're like, well, the north is really dangerous. You know, take a, a bus through to Mexico City and then start from there. I was like, no, no, it's okay. It's okay. So I was getting close to the border. And then, um, like, the night before, I was in Laredo, which is uh, the uh, town on the U.S. side and the other on the Mexican side is Nuevo Laredo. And even though I'd done my research, I was like, why not ask some locals if there's any updates or, or anything like that? Um, and I started asking people. And when I tell them, do you have any tips for, you know, getting to Monterrey, uh, which is the first big city in Mexico? People are like, you want to go where? Why? <laughs> It's like, you don't look like much of a fighter. I don't think you're going to make it, kid. <laughs> and, I, and I keep getting that reaction. Then I start getting a little bit nervous, a little bit nervous. And then the day after I go into uh, Nuevo Laredo and uh, I'm still kind of scared from what people have told me. And then I make it across the city and my bike has like uh, a critical like failure. Like I couldn't pedal like the the tire was touching against the frame and I would try to pedal and I had just gone across the city. So my bike's broken down in this busy part of the city. People are starting to get close to me and see what's going on. And I'm still like scared from what everybody told me the night before. And um, then I just asked them where a bike shop is. I have to walk, walk my bike all the way back across Nuevo Laredo, get it fixed. And then as I'm riding uh, back out the city, I just see moms bringing their girls to work. And people are just in the street talking and laughing. And it was totally fine, and it kept being mostly fine like that for, for the rest of the trip. So, um, I mean, it, it, I find it's always like that when you tell people that you're going to these countries that, you know, the only things they've heard about or heard of them are negative because that's what makes news and that news organizations are interested in. Uh, you know, they're going to tell you that you're crazy and that you're going to die, but, but they've never been there. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, it, it ended up being fine. What were the biggest fears that you had before you started? Because obviously here you have other people having a bunch of fears and you're saying, I don't see myself as brave or courageous or anything like that. It's a different perspective from the inside versus the outside looking in. But did you have certain fears, anxieties, and anxiousness towards either certain areas of the world or kind of certain parts of the trip? Was it Physically, this is going to be hard. Mentally, this is going to be hard. I'm going to be lonely. What happens if my bike breakdowns? Like, what were your biggest obstacles that you were facing before you started? So the the physical aspect of it that I already talked about uh, that was like kind of an anxiety at the beginning of doing the distance. But once I got over that, that was fine. Um, in terms of safety, still in northern Mexico, I was still a little bit kind of scared. 
just because I, I had heard that this was kind of the most, one of the most violent parts of, of Mexico was in the northern uh, part. Uh, but once I got over that, I mean, I didn't even really look at, you know, travel advisories because I, I find them hyperbolic anyways. Like there'll be one case of something and then they'll say, this is a thing that happens in this country. Uh, even though it's, it, it rarely happens. I find that, um, you know, for my research and talking to people like tourists are, are never really target. I'm not, I shouldn't say never, uh, but are rarely targeted for anything more than a pickpocket. Um, you know, just because of the, the, the way you move and, and stuff like that, you're, you're not staying in one place and hopefully you're being smart and not, you know, showing wealth or, or something like that. So in terms of like kidnappings and stuff like that, that very rarely happens to tourists. Uh, if you're, if you're being smart, um, and no, I mean, honestly, I wasn't really afraid of, of very much, uh, and, and even, were you camping most of this time? Um, it depended where I was, uh, in the U S I was camping just because of the price of accommodations. Um, well, camping and, uh, staying at firehouses and, uh, using a website called, uh, warm showers, which is like couch surfing, but for the bicycle touring community, um, but then most of Latin America, the majority of the time I was finding cheap accommodations. It would usually range from five to like ten dollars U.S. Uh, so you just go into the town that you want to stay that night. And then uh, I would look for the first hotel and then ask them, even though it looked like too fancy. And then I'd ask them how much it was. And then I'd be like, oh, uh, you know, I don't really have you know that much money um, or I'm not looking to spend that much money. Uh, you know, where's the cheapest place in town? And they would just know and tell you, which I find in the, the U.S. or Canada, that might be an, a rude thing to ask. But down there, I think people have less money. So it's more of a normal thing that, you know, you can't afford the, the good hotels and they'll know which which is the cheapest one. And, yeah, that that ended up being a good value, uh, especially when it's hot. You know, you want to shower and uh, I make videos, too. So it's good to have a power outlet and maybe even a Wi-Fi connection. What did you budget in for your trip or, or how much did you save prior to actually taking off? and going on this adventure? Um, so I'd been um, working and living with my parents and having very few bills, uh, just saving money. I always looked at money as like kind of this uh, like freedom fuel, I guess. <laughs> um, and I always assumed that maybe I'd be buying a house or, or something like that. But every time I, I sort of getting serious about doing a big investment like that. There was always something that was holding me back. Like, don't do it. Like it just, it felt like being shackled, just the idea of it, uh, of, you know, incurring a big debt or something. Um, so I never, uh, did it. Um, yeah. So my, my budget, uh, once I really, uh, started being serious about the trip, I was thinking like something like 35 us per day. Uh, and the majority of the time I was you know, actually under that, probably like 20 to 25 per day. Uh, and that included like accommodations and, and eating fairly, fairly well, having a few cervezas. Um, you know, it, it does vary in, in the different countries, like some countries like Bolivia, Peru and stuff like that. Like, you know, there isn't a lot of choice in the things you can buy, but you can live like a king <laughs> with what's available there <laughs> for, for like $20 a day. Uh, so, yeah, so that was pretty much the, the the budget yeah and how long was the how many days were you on the road not not to like jump ahead because you're going to talk about some of those adventures in between but how many days total were you gone and was that the plan i know you said you didn't plan much but you had to probably have a rough idea of how long this trip was going to be was it quicker um longer so even though I didn't do a lot of planning, I was thinking about like a year and a half and I actually like it is actually like on the dot, like a little less than a year and a half is what it took me. So I don't know how that happened. It just kind of. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I did hurry up a little bit at the end. I actually took a there's a few places where I took a, some some bus rides because I wanted to be in, in Patagonia uh, before the winter because or else it would have been. I mean, almost impossible, at the very least, very unpleasant to, to be there during the winter. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, um, about a year and a half. Some people do it in a shorter time, uh, but I, I would like to stay in cities for a few days and, and see things and go for hikes and, uh, you know, uh, different 
just to see the city and, and experience stuff. Uh, as opposed to some people were really focused on the cycling aspect and some people take even longer. So it really varies. So you didn't, I like that. You didn't have any reason that you had to crank out the miles when you got to a place you said, Mm -hmm. you know, if if it was a neat place, you said, I'm going to sit here, I'm going to enjoy it for a few days and then I'm going to move on. Yeah, pretty much. That's cool. I mean, it's always better if you can when you're traveling. I'm sure you know that if you can be as flexible as you can, like I never book anything in advance. This way, if you talk to somebody and, and it did happen quite a bit and they would tell you about something that you've never heard of, then you, you have the opportunity to just to go there. And, and places like like Mexico or I mean, there's so many cool like uh, colonial little towns and uh, archaeological sites you've never heard of and um amazing hikes and, and stuff like that, that, you know, it's always great when you have just a flexible schedule. Yeah. I feel like if I did a trip like this, I would want to have your mindset, but I, I feel in my head that I would be fighting this battle between chilling out and hanging out at a place that, you know, I was passing through like a small town. I saw you went through Ithaca, New York. So I saw that on your thing. That was, I mean, that was early in the trip, but for example, like in Ithaca, like you come in, you're like, Hey, this is a cute little town. I could spend a day or two here, or it could be one that obviously you could just say, all right, I'm just, I'm just going to bomb through here. I would feel in my head that it would be a constant battle of, well, I got to go on. I got to go on. Cause I'd be looking ahead to the final goal and saying, I'm still so far from there. How did you balance that how are you able to say no it's fine to to settle down and spend a few days to enjoy this it is the journey and not the end goal which we all say you know what is that whole slogan right it's the journey not the destination yeah it's cool to say but i feel like being on a trip i would i would have a hard time living that out was was that something that you had to kind of a push pull you had to fight yourself on sometimes um yeah, there there were some times where um, I was just kind of in the momentum and of of bicycling every day, and uh, there was times you look back where you, you thought, oh well, maybe I should have stayed uh, somewhere longer. Maybe I, I would have, you know, uh, seen some cool stuff, met some new people. But I don't really. I thought it, I maybe regretted it at first, but then when I look back on it, I don't think I do regret it because the part of the trip that I actually liked the most was the cycling, uh, because I find when you're going in between places that uh, you'd want to see, that's really when you see like how the country really actually works and how people uh, live. Cause obviously when you're in a city and versus in the middle of a really rural area, things are really different. Like in the city, people have internet. So, um, you know, kind of culturally things start to assimilate. I find even on an international uh, level, as opposed to when you're really in the middle of nowhere, like the 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 cultures and traditions are going to be, uh, you know, different. I mean, in some places they won't even speak Spanish; they'll be speaking, uh, you know, some kind of indigenous language or something. Uh, so that's really really cool to see. Um, so, yeah. So I I mean it, I think it really comes down to just being in tune with your emotions. And again, if you can be flexible, just wake up and you know what do you feel like doing today. And if you can, then that's the the best way to go. Did you find yourself traveling at all with other people? Obviously, you set out on this journey as a solo trip and you met people throughout the the entire time. But were there chunks of the journey that were with anyone else? Um, So what I liked, another reason why I like bicycle touring is that uh, when you're going in between a city, and I'm the kind of person um, who likes being um, by himself for a long time. Uh, and I also like to socialize, but kind of in, uh, you know, in chunks, let's say. <laughs> so it kind of works out perfect in the sense that you could be bicycling for five days where you only have limited interactions with locals when you go to restaurants or, or stop at a, a cheap hotel or stuff like that. And then let's say after five days, then you get into a city, you go into a hostel. Uh, then I would often, you know, try to uh, talk to some some people also you know just arrived and we'd go out and see the city and, and that would be awesome um and as far as the the actual cycling uh i i for most of the trip i, I couldn't imagine doing it with someone else just because i mean the distances that we'd like to do in a day would probably be different um you know who knows how they would react when 
uh, an obstacle occurs, which it often does when you're bicycle touring. <laughs> um, but actually, when I got to um, Patagonia and I just finished the part of Chilean Patagonia that I wanted to do, and I was taking a boat across a lake to go on the uh, Argentinian side, uh, I ran into this uh, girl from France who happened to be doing the same trajectory and we we're just talking and we seemed like we had a similar kind of vibe and, and sense of humor. And then I figured, I mean, why not? It's the end of the trip. Why not try something different? Right. And we ended up um, well, actually the first day I got like three flats and somehow she didn't even leave me. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, how did this dude make it that far yeah. if he gets flat tires three times yeah. in a day? Yeah, she, she said, I can really see the, the all the experience you have here. <laughs> I was looking like a total rookie, but she actually stuck around and we actually had a really good time. Uh, and it was um, especially awesome because we were bicycling through a really desolate area, like, you know, 300 plus kilometers without anything. And I ditched my little stove in the US. So I didn't have anything to cook. I wasn't doing very much cooking at all. And she was used to doing cooking. So uh, she would make uh, pasta and stuff like that uh, and be uh, kind enough to share that with me. So <laughs> that worked out well too. And making coffee in the morning and, and stuff like that. So that, that was pretty awesome. And yeah, it was, it was a great time, you know, having a team, uh, just, you know, two heads is, is better than one. She was really smart. And um, so just good ideas and just joking around, enjoying stuff. Uh, together uh, ended up being really great and I thought before that I would never really want to travel with someone else <laughs> unless it was like a girlfriend or something that which I didn't have uh, I just couldn't see it and then uh, it ended up being really fun how long were you all together biking like together during that time through Argentina uh, it was like a week or a week and a half well about that much time uh, she had a flight that she had to take and I had s some detours I wanted to do and stuff like that so we kind of split uh, at a certain point that's pretty neat that you made it all the way down to Argentina like your end goal without biking with anyone else no friends no like no one else came out and said oh I'm gonna do a, a length with you or any any of that and then at the very end you get to have this other as you mentioned almost completely not not opposite but different experience with biking with someone else and got to see how those two compare that's I don't know that's pretty neat that's a neat coincidence there yeah now now I'd be open to the idea of willing to, to try it again in the future for sure what were some of the incredible parts of this journey that were unforeseen? Because you mentioned that, again, not a ton of planning, but certainly you wanted to go, like the reason you, you set out on this route to go down to Argentina was you had seen certain hotspots. I want to go here, I want to go here, I want to go here. What were some of the places, though, that you had no idea about that turned out to be highlights and to be really, really cool? Um. I mean, there were quite a bit. I mean, just going on, on the road, like you just, you know that you're going through the mountains, uh, but I mean, I don't actually know what it's going to look like, right? And there's some places where you just get there and there's there's nobody around and it just, the mountains are just so majestic. Like I'm thinking about like in Peru where you're like 4,000 meters in the air and you're like, you know, like above the clouds and stuff like that. And you're alone. And it's just, it's so beautiful and quiet and there's just nothing around. It's like, it's just uh, an amazing moment and, and, and feeling and stuff like that. And um, I'm also thinking of in, in Southern Mexico, I think it was in, in Chiapas, uh, just, you're just bicycling along the road and then you, you just see a sign for, for ruins. You've never heard of it, but you're like, Oh, it's only three kilometers this way. Why not? And then you go there and then um, there's only a guard there. There's nobody else there. And uh, you ask him if you have to pay. He says, yeah, technically, but I guess he saw my bike. He's like, yo, you're good. Just go ahead. Like, okay. And then you just start climbing. And then all of a sudden there's this kind of like jungle and you go in the jungle and you feel like Tomb Raider. There's these like pyramids and, and like all these amazing ruins in the middle of the jungle. And you're the only person there and you feel like you're discovering this. And you feel like you're like a tomb raider or something. And there's no signs that say don't climb on here. So you're climbing on everything. And <laughs> just, yeah, just amazing uh, moments like that. That, I mean, again, it comes back to why I don't like to over-research. Because you want to have these moments where you just find stuff uh, that you didn't know was going to be there. And that feels always, in my opinion, better than when you've researched something. And you're, okay, I'm going to go here and see this and that. It, 
I mean, that is still cool, but it, it it's not it's not quite the same. Yeah, it takes a little bit of the shine off it if you've seen a picture or read a little bit about it. Again, I'm, I'm like you. I like to have some background about some things, but then my favorite travel memories have always happened when either the thing that I thought was going to happen didn't and something totally opposite happened, or I didn't even have any idea what I was getting into, and it was just this experience that you you could not plan for, and and if you had tried to plan for, it wouldn't have worked out that way. And I, you know, it's it's hard to tell people how to make that happen, other than to say, just follow your instincts, follow your gut. Maybe you have a a, a suggestion here with when people say like, well, how do I get that authentic experience? How do I find those Tomb Raider-like pyramids and ruins when I'm going through Mexico. How do I have an experience like like that, Xavier? What would you tell them to do? I mean, it's not like a guarantee, cookie cutter, boom, 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 do this, year up equals authentic experience. But there are ways that you can travel to, to set yourself up that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had the luxury of, you know, unlimited amount of time, basically, because I quit my job. Uh, obviously, that's probably not a reasonable um, thing you can do for for most people. Um, but if you can, um, I mean, take as much time as you as you can possibly to to do a trip, and don't overbook things if you can. Don't book anything in advance in terms of hotels or transportation. And I find a lot of the time it's actually cheaper that way. Uh, in most countries, like if you look on booking.com, for example, it's going to be more expensive than if you actually go there in person because I guess booking has to take a, a cut of it or, or stuff like that. And yeah, I don't know. It's just be be open. Um, I mean, talk to talk to locals, talk to other people uh, and just kind of, again, wake up and see how you feel and um I mean, obviously, if you're if you're feeling depressed and you, you don't want to leave the hostel or, or something like that, I think you should still try to get out because your mood will change. I've had days where like that where I did not feel like cycling, but then the second I start, well, not the second after like ten minutes of, of cycling, then all of a sudden my and the sun is shining. I mean, you feel great again. So, um, yeah, I mean, just be open, I guess. Yeah, you're obviously a very upbeat, positive, enthusiastic person, but let's talk a little bit about the obstacles or the hard days, what were, like, is there a moment or was there a few moments that you can remember where you thought, all right, I, I, like, I'm done. Like, I'm going to throw in the towel. This is just too much. Either something happened to you yeah. or it was just a culmination of things. Yeah. Um, one moment that uh, comes to mind right now uh, was in, the uh, Florida Panhandle when I was going towards um, uh, towards Alabama. I guess I was in Alabama, but then for a while I was in Florida there because it kind of creeps under Alabama. And um, throughout the whole trip so far, I had never gotten a flag yet, <laughs> which is kind of was super rare considering the rest of the trip I got so many flats. But anyways, uh, so it was starting to rain, and then I also I, I get a flat, and then. I never actually fixed a flat in my whole life. <laughs> so you didn't even do a trial run before you left? Because even no. me, I'm not much of a player. I'd be like, I'm going to fix like four tires before I actually yeah. get out in the wild and do it. <laughs> so I had only looked at a YouTube video before leaving of how to do it. <laughs> so I'm trying to do this. And it was actually really cold at that time, too. Um, I think it was like a record, like... It was like a polar vortex or, or something like that. It was like record cold at, at that time of the year. Um, actually, like a few days later, it was like snowing a lot. But it was not snowing yet, but it was still really cold and rainy. I'm trying to fix this, and I'm putting the other inner tube on, my spare inner tube, and it's just not fitting. There's something wrong. And I was just like, I don't know. I and mean, I was just really down on, on, my, uh, on my luck. So I just start walking the bicycle uh, as far as I can, I'm just really in a, in a bad mood and I see a fire station. I'm like, I guess I'm going to be a damsel in distress here. <laughs> it's the only, the only thing I can think of right now. So I go in the fire station and they try to help me out a little bit. Uh, but they don't 
really see what the issue is either, but they actually know another firefighter who's a woman that worked in a bike shop nearby. They call her. She comes by. They realize that the inner tube is the wrong size, but she had brought some of the right size for me. Uh, then we fix it. And then it's, it's late. So, so they're like, well, where were you staying tonight? Well, like, well, I was planning to make it to this uh, warm showers uh, thing that I had set up, but it was too late now to make it. Well, they say, well, you know, you can stay with us. And it was a brand new fire station. They, I had a room to myself. Uh, I got the shower. And then after my shower, they said, are you hungry? I said, of course. <laughs> I said, well, we're having dinner. Come join us. And I had dinner with them. And then we just watch TV after and it was a really great time and then after that I just started uh, using um, fire stations as part of like my repertoire of potential free places to stay and that ended up working great for the rest of the trip <laughs> do you have a do you know how many fire stations you stayed at throughout the trip uh, it was probably around 20 and that was pretty late in the US um, and because I, I only really did it intensely in the U.S. because after that, my Spanish was uh, regrettably not great. So I didn't really use that uh, kind of um, tactic that much because um, part of it is like you get there and you tell them your story. Um, and then they'll, they'll if they're interested, they'll be like, yeah, you can stay with us. But then, you know, they're going to want to talk to you the whole evening. And if your Spanish sucks, it's not really a good uh a fair exchange. I don't feel good about it because I can't really tell my stories and stuff like that. And I'm tired from the cycling. So it's really taxing to be trying to talk Spanish when you suck at it and you're tired. And, you know, so I didn't use it as much for, for the rest of the trip, unfortunately. So but you, would, I worked, you would rock up to a fire station like yeah. in the evening ish. And you, yeah. would, you would say, Hey man, I'm just I'm biking across the, well, not even across US. I'm biking like down to Patagonia. I'm from yeah. Canada. I've made it this far you guys have a place that I could stay? And they would just say like, yeah, here you go. Well, actually what I would do is, um, I, I, I would say I'm looking for a safe place to camp. Uh, would it be possible to camp, uh, uh, behind the station? Like they usually have like some kind of yard or something. And then they would usually say yes to that because, okay, why not? What's, what's the worst that's going to happen. But then as I'm like, you know, starting to bring my stuff in the back, you know, they're asking me questions and then, you know, they're, they're kind of realizing how, you know, interesting it is what I'm doing. And then they want to ask me questions and they'll just say, oh, well, why don't you come inside? And then they're like, oh, you know what? We actually have food. Do you want some food? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we actually still have, we have another cot here you can stay in. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so Twist kinda, my arm, twist my arm. <laughs> so it, it starts with camping and then sometimes it escalates to sleeping inside and sometimes it doesn't, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Awesome. That's a, that's a great little strategy there. How many yeah. nights would you guess? So you said you did about a year and a half. So we're looking at what, 500 days, nights yeah. on the road. Do you have a specific yeah. number? Of uh, what? Uh, of, of days that it was for you, like the trip exactly was how many days? Oh, uh, it was just under a year and a half. Um, okay. So I'm not I'm not great with math there. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. So we're at about 500 days. How many yeah. of those would you guess that you did end up camping? You said most of that was obviously in the in the U.S. Uh, yeah, the U.S., uh, Chile, and Argentina, because uh, those it starts to get uh, more expensive uh, in those countries, especially in Patagonia, um, which was beautiful. And so I, I loved camping in those areas because there's just a lot of just open spaces and stuff like that when there isn't barbed wire and um yeah so in terms of i'm doing the math here maybe 20 to 30 percent camping and then the rest um some kind of accommodation yeah what did you learn like th this firehouse thing is an is an interesting one right like it, it just happened and then you thought wait a second this like let me spin it it, it could add it to my repertoire as you mentioned with that what are some things that you learned from biking that you that then when you got to the end, you're like, this is so much easier because now I know X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I definitely learned that, you know, I, I do actually like it when there's an obstacle that presents itself um, because, you know, you get stressed out in the first 15 seconds or, or whatever. But then once you calm yourself down, it's kind of like a, a fun puzzle. Okay, well, how am I going to get out of this and and be able to 
uh, you know, sleep somewhere uh, safe or somewhat comfortable tonight, you know. Um, and you kind of just get good at, at problem solving and, and being resourceful and stuff like that. And you kind of realize that, you know, you're you're capable of, of a lot. And um, and that's why I'm, I'm looking in the future of going to some even more kind of adventurous places than uh, where I've, I've uh, already uh, gone through. What were some of the places, maybe either countries or towns specifically, that you just look back, you know, really fondly upon and say, like, this is, you know, these are highlights of the trip that, again, you didn't think would be possible. Or you, you probably didn't even imagine were going to be, you know, as great as they were. Um. Yeah, so uh, I already talked about a little bit about Peru, just, you know, just being way up in the Andes and there's different also environments. Like sometimes it's like a desert like place and then sometimes it's like you're just it's just really cold and um, really kind of different types of, of vegetation as you go through the, the country um, and it's all really beautiful Um and there's a lot of archaeological sites as well. So it just kind of adds to this kind of mystical feeling, especially when you're up there in the clouds and stuff like that. Um, so I really like Peru. I really liked Mexico just because there's just so much to do and just I, the vibe of the people and everything just feels good. Um, also really loved the people in El Salvador, the, all the volcanoes and just how green everything was. Um, uh, Patagonia was just bicycle touring paradise just the scenery just you know uh hard to match probably in the whole world and in, in, in some of the places and yeah and just how friendly the the people were just in general in in latin america also just really made it amazing and yeah i mean i don't know it, it, there wasn't a lot of places where i wasn't really enjoying myself you know it was it was really good what were the most difficult spots for bike touring Hmm. Difficult. Or, or places that you felt maybe you rushed through, you know, for whatever reason, either, either it was hard or it was like, hey, this isn't as enjoyable as I thought. Mm hmm. Um, well, in uh, Peru, because I, I, I like being in the, the mountains, uh, there were some places where it, it seemed like it would be like uh, paved just because it's like the main road going through the central part of the country. Uh, but it turned out it wasn't. Uh, so things were taking a lot longer than expected, but because the scenery was so nice, uh, I still ended up enjoying it just because I'm like, well, I mean, look around, how could you be upset? You know, <laughs> even though the roads are full of big rocks and, and, and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, I mean, it wasn't so much like the the places that were challenging. It was just like things that would happen, uh, you know, bicycle issues, like um, running out of brake pads and not having spares and you're in the mountains and like, how am I going to get down? And then, you know, I'm thinking of one time when, when I was in Ecuador and I was just and I knew at that point, like it was I was super high in the mountains and it was dark and it was cold. I didn't have any brake pads and I was just walking my way through the night and I knew there was this one place um, that was kind of like this bird sanctuary, but that they would let play, people stay there. Um, and then I finally got there and the, the gate was just locked. I was like, no. <laughs> and I actually like climbed around and it was like a pretty well, like, um, not fortified or protected is not the right words, but maybe you know what I mean? Like it was just enclosed well. And I had to like climb the fence and get in and then, talked to one of the employees there who, and I felt like he was going to be like, is he going to like call the police? Cause I just like climbed the fence here. <laughs> he didn't, he called his boss and we ne negotiated a, a price to stay there that was lower than what people normally pay. And uh, it ended up working out. But so it's really just kind of, it's not really the country that's the challenge. Sometimes it is, but it's mostly just the situation that can be a, a fun, uh, kind of uh adventure yeah tell us how you got out of the situation with the with the brake pads um so the next day uh after that i still had a bunch of downhill to do and i mean you just kind of not lose a day but you just take a day where you're just walking downhill with your your bicycle 
and it the view was amazing so again when the scenery is great uh, my my mood no matter what's happening will stay at a, a good level and then i just walked into town looked for a bike shop there wasn't one but they said oh well there's a guy um and this happens a lot in Latin America. You'll ask for a bicycle mechanic, and they'll just send you to a regular car or or, or motorcycle mechanic. And so, but he said, "Okay, it's a few kilometers outside of town." Like, okay, I guess I'll go. And I ended up bicycling there because it wasn't. It was somewhat flat, uh, so it was safe enough. I, I I'll use my feet to slow myself down when I need to. Um, and I eventually got there, and it was just two guys like working outside on this motorcycle I'm like I guess this is it <laughs> and I get that I'm like no way they're gonna have brake pads and I get there and I said do you have this kind of brake pads he's like I don't think so I'm like of course he's like oh wait a minute and then he goes inside to this like little like cabin and then he's rummaging around and then he's like oh last ones I had I'm like yes <laughs> which usually you're not that lucky but sometimes you are yeah and I think if you spend a year and a half on the road you're going to get lucky a lot of times. It's just the universe smiling upon you for doing something that so many people would dream of doing or think of doing and then never ever do. It's just like, hey, you're going to get re- you're going to get re- rewarded, Dave. You're like, here you are out in the middle of nowhere. You know, you've got a good attitude towards this and here we go. Here's a random dude with the brake pads you need outside of town. Yeah. <laughs> what would you say was your biggest travel mishap then was it was it the brake pad thing or is there something else that you're thinking all right here's a situation i got myself into that that was pretty hairy i don't know if this is really a mishap but there was a a few kind of hairy moments in uh in colombia on the eastern side um the first time was uh going from cartagena to santa marta and i was in a pretty desolate area and all of a sudden these two men just get right in front of me in the road and they start yelling at me aggressively and then one of them like uh shows me like in his belt that he has some kind of metal object and i think he was trying to make me think it was a gun then i look at it i'm like i don't think it's a gun and i just swerved them and i kept going and just bicycling as fast as i could and they didn't chase me i'm like whoo that was that was close i was like you know the adrenaline was really pumping at, at at that point um and then a little bit further, a few days later, when I was going southwards, but still on the eastern part, uh, I had gone to flat and I was I was having to patch my tire away from my bicycle. And then um, on my bicycle, I had left my phone. And then when I returned to my um, to my bicycle, uh, my phone was gone. And so that kind of uh, sucked, especially when you use your phone to navigate and, and stuff like that. <laughs> Uh, but I eventually um, got to a town and uh, I managed to uh, eventually get a phone. But it was really difficult because um, I guess in Colombia, to, to register with their providers, you have to give like your kind of identification number as a Colombian. So I had to eventually like convince them to like use someone else's identification number to sign me up for <laughs> getting a phone, which I needed. But um yeah, I mean, that that eventually worked out. One time I got, um, I, again, phone-related. shows how, uh, you know, dependent we are on technology. My phone had died, and I ended up going, like, for a full day the wrong way in Mexico. Like, completely it went in the middle of nowhere. I eventually get to this town, and then I'm, I'm trying to just find somewhere to charge my phone just so I can, because I kind of knew at that point I was lost just to charge my phone, just so I can kind of get an idea of where I am, so I can start probably heading back. <laughs> and um, I start talking to this guy, and this guy um, said, oh, you know what, I'm actually going back that way, uh, I'll, I'll give you a ride. And then, but then I look, and he just had this little tiny car, and I had my bicycle, I'm like, how is this going to work? <laughs> He's like, oh, no problem, no problem, meet me at the top of the hill, and we'll, we'll figure it out. I'm like, okay, so I bicycle up to the top of the hill, and I get there. And then I don't know. He had just just this piece of cardboard. puts it on the the trunk on the top of the trunk of, of his car. We put the bicycle on top of the cardboard on top of the trunk, and then he just ties it like through the windows. He puts the back windows down, and then just ties the bicycle. <laughs> I'm like, oh god, I don't know if this is a good idea, but I don't really want to backtrack for a whole day. <laughs> so let's go. <laughs> and the bicycle, I mean, it didn't fall off, and we we got back to the starting point. So, I mean, just fun stuff like that. Like I was saying, I. 
in the moment, sometimes you're stressed out, but then when you conquer it, it's just a great feeling and it, and it's just, and it gives, you know, good stories to remember and, and share. Yeah. I think that's the important part too. It gives you good stories to share and it, and it shows you that something that, you know, maybe an hour before seemed like the end of the world to you is really something that can be fixed or, or even, or maybe doesn't even have to be fixed. Like maybe you come to a realization that this isn't that big of a deal let me go this other route and have this experience with a guy tying my bike on a piece of cardboard under his car, which you wouldn't have ever had had, had you gone the right way to begin with. And I think that's the beauty of, of travel, right? It, is that all the things that are happening to you, 95% of them aren't planned, even if you are someone who plans more than you and plans more than me. Because you're putting yourself out there, there's going to be these experiences that you that you really can't replicate any other way. And that's pretty awesome. So then, all right, you made. So we'll we'll like finish the story up here. You made it. You you got down to Patagonia. What was it like to end the journey? Like, or and and was there a certain point? Like, was there a town that you said, "When I get here, the journey is over"? Was it? I I, I want because this is a year and a half of your life doing like going towards one singular goal, and even though you were enjoying along the way, what? How did you end it? And what did you? feel then mm -hmm. um so this might be another case of where my head is somehow different than how other people think um but i i'd made it down to el calafate which is one of the last kind of bigger uh, towns in um patagonian uh, argentina uh, where i got to see perito moreno glacier which is i think like the third biggest in all of the world and that was amazing and I was kind of planning my route to go even further south. Uh, but then I was looking at the weather forecast. It was starting to be like the winter um, and just how rainy and cold it was. And I'd heard everything was more expensive. And I'm looking at the prices of everything and everything is really expensive. Uh, so at that point, I was like, that's it. I mean, that's, that's just really? how it ended, you know? <laughs> there was never like a really plan. Like, I'm going to make it here. Like, most people um, that do... Uh, bicycle through South America or maybe all the Americas uh, would want to end up in like Ushuaia, which is supposed to be like, the uh, which is the uh, most uh, Southern, I guess, city in, in the world, I think. And, but for me, it was, it was never about that. You know, it was, it was kind of, like you said, about, about the journey. It wasn't, it wasn't like this, I, I'm challenging myself. This is going to be like, you know, cue the, the Rocky training montage. It was, it was never about that. It was really about the journey. You know, I picked this trip because I wanted to learn Spanish and interact with people and learn and stuff like that. It was never really about the challenge. So when I got there, there was no, uh, you know, confetti and champagne. It was just, that was fun. What's the next adventure, you know? <laughs> that is a, that's a really neat and inspiring perspective because in my mind, as I mentioned before, even though I agree with the with the thought. It's about the journey, not the destination. I think a lot of times it is pushing towards, you know, hey, this is the end goal. I'm getting to Ushuaia. Like, you know, that that makes it feel complete. And you're just saying, no. Like, I just got down there. I've been on a year and a half. I'm not stopping because, like, I didn't like it. I'm just stopping because it feels right. And, and listening to yourself, which is... I think a lesson a lot of people can take because I certainly think I would have felt very, very conflicted to 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 end it in a way that like was in my head how it was going to end as opposed to just being like, hey, I feel comfortable. I'm good. And that, that kind of leads me then to, to the last question I have for you is what do you have coming up in the pipeline? Because we were chatting very briefly before we hopped on and started recording here, but I didn't want to get too much information. You end this trip, you come back to Canada, and, and you just ended this trip not long ago, correct? I mean... Yeah, it was um, about a month ago now that I've uh, kind of... Well, actually, yeah, I spent like a, a few weeks in Buenos Aires. I flew to from El Calafate to Buenos Aires, uh, and then I flew back home. I've been seeing friends and family and, and stuff like that, enjoying that, uh, but... And as you know, you know, once you, you start traveling and the bugs got you, <laughs> it's got a hold of you. Um, so I, I still have some money uh, saved up. So my, my next um, uh, trip is going to be flying to, 
uh, South Africa, and then going up north uh, through uh, Africa, and then beyond is as far as I can go. <laughs> All right. So you're going to, so this is for you now. I don't want to say a lifestyle, but at least for this part of your life, this idea of yeah. bike touring, you just said you've just you're taking it and running with it. Excuse the yeah. bad pun, I guess there, but <laughs> and cycling with it, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I just I really love it. I, I mean, there, there's nothing else that I, I really want to do more. So since I can do it, I mean, why not? Uh, I mean, I think again, like I said, life is is meant to be to be enjoyed. So if you can do something and there's no serious a critical reason to not do it. I mean, why not keep going? So where, okay, so you're going to do that trip. Uh, do you have a timeline? I, again, I'm asking like planning questions here, which I, I, what is the, the idea with that? Is it, is there, is it going to be a year? Is it going to be open-ended? Um, well, I'm thinking to, uh, go through Africa again. I haven't really done the math on, on everything and really looked at it deeply. Um, but I think it would be like probably around maybe eight to 10 months to, to go through uh, Africa and uh, south to north. Uh, and then I would probably still have a, a little bit of money to go through like uh, parts of the Middle East and then maybe um, some of Asia. Again, it will all depend on, you know, where my bank account is. Uh, that will kind of dictate de decisions at that point. Um, but yeah, and I you know, I kind of have a dream of, of going around the world, going all the way to China and then flying back and then maybe bicycling back home, uh, through Canada or, or parts of the U S or whatever. Um, so, and I'm, I'm kind of working towards that a little bit. Uh, I have a, a YouTube channel. I, I do videos while I'm doing the, the, the touring cause it's something I enjoy doing. And, uh, if I could make a little bit of money to, to keep the trip going forward, uh, you know, why not? And, um, so, uh, yeah, I'm doing, doing that as well. And, in you never know, maybe I'll start making a little bit of money and maybe I can, I can make that dream of bicycling, uh, around the world, uh, uh, reality. Awesome. What, do, what are your last question here though? What do your parents think now? You said your mom like was, <laughs> was saying, Oh, you tried that old trick. I'll pay for you to come home for Christmas <laughs> after you completed this one. Are they, are they on board? Are they saying, all right, this is his thing. And, and feel pretty comfortable with it? Well, so Africa is one of those places that does have a, a bit of a reputation of, of being uh, dangerous. Um, so it's forcing me to do research so that I can sound convincing when I'm talking to my parents that it's all good. <laughs> so it's forcing me to do a little bit more research than maybe I would have, uh, which I guess isn't a bad thing. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I think it's... Um, It'll be it'll be like when I was going into Mexico a little bit, but uh, you know I'm I'm confident in my abilities and uh, my abilities to travel uh, safely and uh, to just keep my eyes open and um, yeah I think I think it's going to be okay and um, looking forward to uh, to the new adventure. Awesome. Well, Xavier, thank you so much for joining me today for taking on such an epic trip and inspiring others and really just having such a breath of fresh air mentality to this not this oh i have to plan everything and figure it out and here's the goal and let me get here to here and i'm gonna do x amount of miles you're just saying i'm taking it as it comes and and honestly that's such a unique and i it sounds simple but i think it's such a hard mindset and perspective to have and and you have it in spades so i appreciate it man and it's inspiring to listen to you and and hear your journey remind people one more time if they want to follow your journey, if they want to go back through the back catalog and see all the craziness that happened as you as you did your first trip, and if they want to follow along with you as you go through Africa, what's the best way for them to do all that? So um, if you want to uh, tag along the, the journey without doing any exercise, <laughs> which a lot of people seem to, to enjoy, <laughs> uh, I'll do all the work for you. <laughs> uh, you can um, check out my website, which is called followthehumoftheearth.com. I have an interactive map there, so you can click on any of the locations that I went or just do the whole trip from beginning to end if you want uh, and see kind of the blog posts I've made for the different locations and the videos. And so the videos are on YouTube. So if you just prefer, I also have a YouTube channel called Hum of the Earth. 
And there I have playlists of different countries kind of going in, in chronological order as well. So you can kind of follow the, the journey that way too. And um, yeah, so I mean, some people enjoy it. So uh, check it out. And uh, if you want to help me uh, accomplish my goal of making a little bit of money from YouTube so I can go further in the journey, uh, if you, you can uh, subscribe to the channel and uh, that helps me out without costing you anything. That's the best. That's the best. If you like yeah. the stuff Xavier's doing, follow that, subscribe. Are you on social media? Do you have social media stuff or is it just the YouTube channel? Um, it's pretty much just the YouTube channel right nice. now. <laughs> All right. I like that because so many people, again, kind of people getting caught up in the making sure they're keeping up and posting. You're just like, all right, I'm going to do the YouTube channel. That's it. Come find me there. Awesome. We will uh, we will link all that up in the show notes, of course, everyone. So you can get that extra pack of peanuts.com slash shows. You can see the show notes for this episode. Of course, every other episode that we've had as well. All that stuff linked up there. Xavier, I just want to say thanks again, man. It has been inspiring, motivating, and and just a joy to listen to you talk about your trip and your journey and the attitude, the kind of carefree attitude of if I can do it, why wouldn't I do it? It, it yeah. really is a breath of fresh air. So thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Travis. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today for your continued support that makes us the number one rated travel podcast on iTunes. And until next time, happy free travels. I'll show you Paris soon.